Hello and welcome to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. My name is John DeLille, and I'm the communications guy at Free Life Community Church in Terre Haute, Indiana. Each week, Senior Pastor Dan Willis brings a rich, detailed, and relevant message grounded in Scripture, which is recorded on Sunday mornings and made available for you right here. You can find more messages at freelifecc.com or in the Google Play and iTunes podcast app. Hey, if you've benefited from listening to these messages, we ask that you try to help us out. You can help us out in two different ways. First, you can give us a rating in the app store that you use. Secondly, share this podcast with a family member, a friend, or a colleague. This really does help us to get these messages into the hands of the people who can really benefit from them. All right, without further ado, here's Senior Pastor Dan Willis. Now I have a question for you today. So as we look at this sermon series, he said, what? Continuing in our excerpts from Matthew 7. People say over and over again, well, if Jesus didn't say it, then I don't believe it. Well, you're wrong because the Bible says it doesn't matter because Jesus said it regardless. But, but I'll, I'll go one better. He did say it. These are everything that I'm speaking of, Jesus absolutely said. And that's why last week's message is very difficult to dispute because everything in it, Christ said. <laughs> it wasn't my opinion. It's what He said, you know. Now, people may not like it, and they'll find another excuse not to listen to it, but that's what He said. Now, uh, this particular message is named, The Way to Heaven Isn't Always Easy. And it comes from Matthew 7, verse 14. And I, and I began last week of thinking that maybe I, won't, maybe I won't actually bring this message. Because due to the 4th of July, I thought about doing a message called The Fall of a Nation. And I believe that God wants me to bring that message, but not today. And so I plan on bringing that message, The Fall of a Nation, on the eve of the time that I go back to, to speaking on the book of Revelation. And that's coming this year. I don't know when, I don't know what night, but it's going to happen. It's hard to do on Wednesday nights because we have the kids over here and I can't do it in an hour. It takes two hours or at least an hour and a half every single time we touch it, okay? I can't do a chapter of Revelation in an hour. Not and do it right, you can't. So we got to figure it out. I'm not sure when, but how, but it's going to happen. So you're going to get that message, the fall of a nation, because I can prove to you it's happening right now. I can prove it to you biblically it's happening, and I can prove it's us. Pastor Bob, am I wrong? Okay. Now, I have a question for you. How many of you want to go to heaven? Come on. If you want to go to heaven, keep your hand up. Don't put it down. Why would you? Are you willing to go out in the street and do that? You willing to stand in your workplace and do that? Keep your hands up. Come on, you ain't that tired. Those of you at home, those of you at Mecca, if you want to go ahead and put your hand up, and I'm going to tell you something, I, if, brother, if I could put all, all four of my extremities up, I'd do it. Because there's no doubt, I know, I know what comes if I don't. Okay? I know what comes if I don't. And I wouldn't want what comes if I don't. Anybody? You with me? Okay. Now, I want, I want you to think about that. How many of you really want to go to heaven? And how many people on the street would say they want to go to heaven? I don't know very few that would say that they don't. I know very few that would say that they don't right? Now think about what you're saying here. I want you to really think about this. Are you sure? Are you sure that you want to go to heaven? Positive. Without question. Positive. 
Okay? You put your hands down. But you better be willing to put them back up again. Because I'm pretty sobering today. I want to go back to the second half of what I spoke on last week. I spoke on verse 13 and 14. I want to go back to Matthew 7, 14. And in the back end of that, he says, But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only if you find it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life. You heard that. It leads to life. And what? Very few find it. Now, who, who's got a cell phone on today? Hold it up. There, hold it up. Turn it off and put it away. You won't need it. I don't care if your Bible's on it. You won't need it. Turn it off and put it away because it, I know people look at other things. I know you look at Facebook and other garbage when I'm speaking. I know it because I've seen you. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just telling you, don't do it. You know why? Because you're not disrespecting me. You're disrespecting God when you do it. And God wants you to hear what I have to say today because he's the one who told me to tell you. <laughs> and I'm going to be sweet about it too. But boy, is it true. This is so true, you won't believe it. Okay? And I'm not here to hurt your feelings, and I'm not here to bring you a Debbie Downer today neither. Now, some of you are going to think it, that that's what it is. But it isn't. Actually, it's encouragement. And it goes together beautifully with what's going on in our world today. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, oh, and by the way, if anybody pulls their phone out and you see him, raise your hand and tell me they're doing it. Can you do that for me? Who's willing to do that? Billy, I know you are. Billy, I want you to start walking around. If anybody's doing it, you let me know. Okay. <laughs> Look at you panicking now. <laughs> no, don't do it. Anyway, in his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus spoke of two ways which are the road to destruction, number one. Yeah, remember that? And the way to heaven. The way to, to destruction and the way to heaven. And everybody in here said they want to go to heaven. And I'll bet you everybody listening at home and everybody at Mecca said, I want to go to heaven. Yeah, you think so? Now, we found out last week that the paths are very different and the gates are different too. Yeah? And I want to go a little, a little deeper in the two ways. And I want to notice that Jesus described these two paths very differently. He described these two paths very differently. He pointed out that the way to destruction is broad, it is easy, and many, he says, choose to follow it. Now, who said that? Jesus did. The way to destruction is easy, it's broad, and many choose it. Yeah? And I don't, I don't doubt that. Anybody doubt it? I don't. I'm sure it's true, because I've seen it. And the way to heaven he said, and the way to eternal life is much harder, and very few find it. And right here, he's talking about that. Notice what it says. The way is narrow, and it leads to life. The road is narrow and leads to life, okay? And only a few find it. Only a few find the way to life. Did you hear that? I want to say that over and over and over again, you need to grasp this today, okay? Because this is the word of Jesus speaking to us. 
Now, if we desire to be saved and we want to experience eternal life, there's going to be hardships along the way. Anybody identify with that yet? Okay. If you're a strong Christian, my guess is the devil's going to show up. Anybody with me here? Okay. And probably a lot of it, by the way. But it isn't because God wants it this way. I think we have this wrong idea that if we're going to be a Christian, well, God wants us to go through hardship. No, no, he really doesn't. But he knows we will. And sometimes he allows it to get our attention. But he, de- he never desired for us to go through hardship. You do get that, right? How many of you thought that being a Christian, you, you, know, you have to pay for what you, your sins, what you, what you did before? Who, who, who's thought that before? Come on. I know you have. God, God does not make you pay for your sins now. He's already absolved you of them, of them. Now, that doesn't mean that there won't be some issues because of them at times. But that's not God's desire. When, when I've seen heard Christians say, well, you know, I did this or I did that or whatever, and so now I'm paying for it now. No, no, God doesn't do that. So get that out of your head because that, that's Satan maybe, but not God. Okay, God doesn't do that. Really? Really? <laughs> yeah. And aren't you glad of that? Let me tell you why it happens. It's because the enemy who hates God will do everything that he can to keep those trying to live a life worthy of Jesus Christ from getting on the right path and getting through the narrow gate. Okay? This is why it happens. Because the enemy who hates God, because he can't be God, never going to be God, but wants to be, going to try to make himself God in the end time. Yeah? He wants to keep those of us who are seeking God, those of us who are Christians already and seeking God, and those who are trying to be Christians or want to be Christians, he, he, he tries to keep all of us from being on the right path, at least in life, and going through the narrow gate. Do you understand that? That's, it. That's his sole purpose, to keep you from doing it. And so, my friends, because we have been warned, I want to take this opportunity to discuss the way that leads to heaven. It's not easy, and the Bible tells us why, but it also tells us just a little bit more. Now, listen carefully. Had you put your cell phones away, uh, if you have a Bible, you don't need to look at it right now. Not right now you don't, because mine's the same as yours. I really have one right here. I didn't make up the Bible according to Dan. This is the Word of God. I have four versions in here. I have the King James. I have... Uh, New International, I have the New Living, and I have New American Standard. Why? Because I like to see in front of me what they all say, you know, how they, how they translate. And here's the thing. In this, and sometimes in verses, there's a little bit of variation, and here there's none. Zero. Jesus says, small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and few find it. The road that leads to life? What life? What life is Jesus talking about? Well, it's got to be eternal life because that's the only thing it could be because everybody was already alive and born here. So he's talking about the next life, isn't he? That's what he's talking about. Do you think he's telling us the same thing? Yeah, because we're already born and alive. If the Word of God is living, then that means it's for all time. And anybody who reads it is already alive because you couldn't read it if you were dead. Or not born. 
So now that you are, he's saying, if you're already alive, and he's saying that the, the road that leads to life, he's got to be talking about the next one. And everybody's going to have it. Okay? But one life is really living, and the other one's really death. You understand that? Okay? So he's talking about the one that's with him, the one that's eternal, the one you never die from. You understand? He's talking about that one. Now, do you think that most Christians believe they're going to heaven? Do you? How many of you think that most Christians believe they're going to heaven? And I'm not going to tell you that they're not. But I bet God does. There's going to be way more goats than there are sheep. Jesus said that too, by the way. <laughs> going to be way more goats than there are sheep. You understand that? Okay? There's going to be way more, which means there's going to be an awful lot more in hell than there is in heaven, yeah? So if you like big crowds and you love the who's who, well, you know which gate to choose, don't you? Because a lot of the who's who's not going to be in heaven. You understand that? Yeah? They may be popular here, but they ain't going to be so popular there. Anybody with me here? So be careful who you listen to. Amen? I personally don't get my politics from movie stars and Hollywood and people who play instruments and sing good. Okay? I'm not going to do that. You do what you want. If most Christians think they're going to heaven, here's another question. How many Christians are there in the United States? Let's not worry about the world right now. It's just too big. Let's figure out, let's, let's just look at the United States. How many Christians do you think are in the United States? You want me to tell you? Would you like to know? You think I figured this out? You think I researched it? How many of you think I did? Wouldn't say it if I didn't, would I? Well, here it is. There are 330 million people in the United States right now. I remember when I was a kid, there was a song on TV, a commercial that said 200 million people. No two are quite the same. Well, now we've got 1.3 million more. <laughs> 1.3 million more from when I was a teenager. That's a lot of people, isn't it? You would think it would be a lot more Christians, too. Not so much. In fact... It's proven that each generation has dropped and millennial generation is less is, is 48% or less that identifies Christianity. And what do you think the next generation is going to do? I already know what they're doing. Okay? That's who's forcing our school board to change our Yeah, right? Isn't it? What we're we talking about here. Okay, so see how it goes together? So here's the deal. 330 million people in the United States. Pew research, look it up yourself says that 60% of Americans identify as Christian. 60% of Americans identify as Christian. Man, it used to be 80%. Not even 20 years ago, it was 80%. It's now 60%. That ought to alarm you right there. How long before it's 50%? And how long? Well, I'll give you a hint. In 2035, the majority will not identify as Christian. Just 15 years from now. See how fast it's going? If we get there, I'm not sure we will. The, hey, these numbers aren't in dispute, I'm telling you. Okay? Okay? So 60% identify as a Christian. That means that 198 million of the 330 say they're a Christian. 
Now remember, this is those who identify as a Christian. <laughs> now there's a big difference between identifying as one and actually being one. You understand that? So I had to break it down some. All right. So Pew Research also says that of the 198 million who identify as a Christian, only 62% of those actually attend services more than twice a month. Only, only 62% of those 198 million actually attend services more than twice a month. That means half of the time, 48% of them don't even go. Well, the Bible says unless you're attending services, you're not a Christian. Oh, it doesn't say that. Yes, it does. Yes, it absolutely does. Okay? It said, Paul says, don't stop meeting together as many have. Okay? Didn't he? Okay? Because if you're a Christian, where will you be? In the Lord's house. Because he said so. Yes or no? That goes all the way back to the Old Testament, doesn't it? Pastor Bob, does it? Bishop, does it? Okay, so God says, be, if you're a Christian, if, you're, if you identify with me, be in my house. Well, 48% of them don't go, so guess what? I can think it's safe to say they're probably not. Now, it's not my cause, God's, but I'm pretty sure he's going to say they're not. What do you think? It doesn't matter what they say. So 62%, okay, that means that only 122 million Americans are actually doing that part of what the Bible commands them to do in attending services. 330 million, only 122 million are actually doing that part, going to church. That's less than half. Okay. Pew Research also found that 62% of those who are actually attending more than twice a month also thought that homosexuality ought to be accepted. I use that because it's the big one. There's others. That's the big one. Oh, and by the way, Pew Research also says that 60% of mainline Protestants think abortion is okay, but only 48% or 42% of Roman Catholics think so. Now, that tells me something. We better get on sick here, huh? Okay? So that's something the Catholics are doing better than us, isn't it? Although we want to point fingers at them. Better not. Okay? Aren't we all Christians in this together? Shouldn't we be? And incidentally, of all the Christians who attend some type of prayer meeting once a week, who attend some sort of a prayer meeting where they get together and just pray once a week, okay, only 14% of those thought their abortion was okay. I think there's a direct correlation between prayer and right and wrong. What do you think? Huh? Now, come on now, kids. Okay? This is important to note. So those who are actually practicing their religious views and being a Christian and actually going to prayer with other people once a week, only 14% thought that something that's clearly against the Word of God was okay. That tells me prayer solidifies the truth in your heart and mind. And you ought to be doing it. And it's no wonder people have these ideas that are wrong and unbiblical when they're not spending time in prayer. Anybody? And you're all wondering whether there's a prayer meeting so you can go every week, aren't you? Let me tell you what I know. If I said, hey, this Thursday night we're going to have an ice cream social out here and everybody come and have fun, 
I get a bunch. But if I said, hey, we're going to have a prayer meeting, we're going we're to pray about this, I bet I get eight. What do you bet? Anybody want to take that bet? I got good odds. Now you tell me what's wrong with this. That's here. That's just here. Ask any pastor when they call a prayer meeting how many people in percentage that they get versus they had something fun going on. Fact. Why, 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 why don't we want to pray? Why is it important? When, when, you see, see the difference? What prayer does? We don't want to do it, though. <laughs> no wonder God's disappointed in us. What do you think? No wonder we, we're in the, in the position we're in. We're not praying. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that if everybody in the church was spending at least one time a week in a, in a collective prayer meeting that we would have this racial problem we have? Will we have problems with authority? Will we would try to defund the police? Will we, be, will we be having rioting? My guess is probably a lot less of it, if any. I'm just saying. Because I know that prayer changes my heart. Anybody? But this proves what I'm about to say. I want to get back to our stats here. Remember, friends, of the 122,000 that are actually going to services, 62%, okay, I think the homosexual is okay. That means that 48% don't. So basically, we're cutting 122 million in half. Because if you think homosexual is okay, I'm sorry, but I doubt you're a Christian. I don't know how you could be. It's just impossible. But again, God makes that decision, but I know what He said. Okay? The Word of God says it's detestable to the Lord. So say, think and say what you want. You can go out here and be mad at me all day long, but I'm teaching the truth. And if you're going to argue, bring your word, because there's just no, there's just no way out of that. Okay, but let, let's get back to it. Now, let's get back to our stats. That means that only a little over 58 million of the original 198 who identify as being a Christian are actually adhering to the Word of God, as far as we know, because there's other issues. You could add in a whole bunch of other things that people are doing that are not Christ-like. They're not Christian, okay? And so I'm, I'm certain that that, uh, you know, 58 million is going to drop further. But what I'm trying to say is about a quarter of those who identify as a Christian might actually be one. That means, according to our, our own, you know, plausibility here, our own mind system here, our own looking at, at the facts, a quarter of the people in, the, in church this morning in America are probably really Christian. That means if you do the math, only about a quarter of the people in this sanctuary are Christian. Real Christians. I think it's much higher than I hear. But I'll bet you across the board it's not. I'll bet it's not. Are you hearing me? These, these numbers don't lie, friends. It's impossible to lie. That's what they are. Now, you can say Pew Research is a bunch of liars. I don't think so. Pastor Bio, are they liars? Good Excellent documentation. And what if there are other biblical commands that the remaining one quarter aren't obedient to? Now what? I began to think about that, and I thought, well, how many of us are actually true Christians? I mean, how, really? And again, I'm not trying to give you the beat down today. I know it's happening right now. But sometimes you've got to be broken down and be built back up. I'm just, I'm just bringing you sobering facts here. Okay? So... Can you actually see what Jesus is saying? 
When he says that, oh, oh, what did he say again? Small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. You can see why back then what he said was 100% right. And we can see it now. Anybody? He said the few actually find the eternal life that they all think they're going to have. He's talking about Christians here. He's not talking about those unsaved or those that don't claim it. He's talking about those that claim it. Do you see that? Does that shock you? Are you surprised? Well, you shouldn't be. That's my first point. We should not be surprised. <laughs> you should not be surprised. Wait, wait, that's your first point? Uh-huh. All that leading up to that? Mm-hmm. Because this, what my points won't mean a thing to you if I didn't prove to you where it came from. And show you, and, and listen, you, you go to Pew and look yourself. I, I invite you to do that. And, and look, look at anything else you want to. There's, there's all sorts of documentation on both sides of the aisle here. Christians and non-Christians, and they all say the same thing. In fact, there's one article by a lady that says, the death of Christianity in America. The death of Christianity leads to the death of the nation. That's why we are the nation we are, and the only reason. Right? Our forefathers would have told you that, friends. I don't care what they want to say. I'm telling you. I know why we are who we are. God did it. Our growth was unprecedented, and God did it. He prospered us, for sure. So we should not be surprised. Why? Because we've been warned. First, by Jesus right here in Matthew 7, but also in many other places. Jesus says in John 15 and 16, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you to be out of the world. That's why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you too. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And I want peace. Anybody want peace? In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. What did he say? I have overcome the world. And aren't you grateful for that? We're also warned by the Apostle Paul to his fellow disciples. Okay, he says in Acts 14 and 2 Timothy 3, strengthening the disciples, encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, he said. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Everybody who wants to, let alone doing it, you see? And maybe that's why so few people actually live a Christian life. I don't know. Maybe the fear of it. I think a lot of people, due to the fear of it, you know, The Apostle Peter told us in his epistle, Dear friends, don't be surprised that the fiery ordeal has come to test you as though something strange were happening to you. <laughs> right? We should expect it. Amen? Jesus and his apostles have given full disclosure that the way to life is difficult. Jesus said it, and we can see why. Okay? But do you suppose, why do you suppose we just can't understand it? Why do you think we just don't get it? Why do we not expect it? Why do we oftentimes feel like it's not fair? And lastly, why aren't we surprised? I, I, we shouldn't be. In fact, as a Christian, I should expect this kind of garbage to come to me because I'm going to stand for the right when the rest of the world 
is standing for the wrong. You understand? Do you think the devil likes it when people stand against him and expose him and fight against him and resist him and refuse him? No. So what does he do? Comes to visit. Okay? And he'll do it by himself or his cronies. And it isn't just demons neither, by the way. The devil's got a lot of cronies that are human. Huh? Anybody with me here? Some profess it and others have no idea. Huh? Did Jesus say that? Sure did. Going to get there in a minute. Now, I think that the answer to this why we're surprised is easier than we want to admit. It's because we aren't thinking in heavenly terms. We're not. We're not thinking in heavenly terms. We're thinking in earthly and societal terms. Have been for quite a while now. Our minds haven't been renewed by the Holy Spirit, and that's demanded. Paul says, the renewing of your mind by the power of the Spirit is necessary. I paraphrase, but that's what he said. Okay. And, it, you know, which means, friends, that if, if, if our minds haven't been renewed, but we're claiming to be a Christian and think we're going to heaven, then we're living a double life. We are. You understand that, right? That's what spies do. They lead double lives. And when they get caught, it ain't good. There's going to be an awful lot of Christians, people who say they're Christians, leading double lives, and when they get caught, when it's all over, they're going to be shocked. Some of them won't be. Some of them know they're living double life. I believe that. Okay? You know why? Because I did it once. I didn't know it at the time, but I did it. Anybody? I really thought I was right. I did. I, I really thought that I could compromise those Christian things that God says, no, 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 you can't. Because I don't. You understand what I'm saying? And this isn't about whether you have a drink or you do these silly things. I'm talking about what's in the heart here. Okay? That's what I'm talking about. It isn't whether you watch TV or you dance or, or uh, alcohol or whatever. It isn't or buy the lottery ticket. Really? That's not it. It's what, whether you believe the Word of God or you really don't. You do what the Word of God says or you really don't. Okay? We're going to get into more of what that is in a minute. And is it really that simple? Yeah, it is. For if we're truly godly and thinking in heavenly terms, we would never be surprised when these things happen. But we would expect the difficulties to come as we travel on this path to heaven. That's why few ever find it. I think a lot of people get on the path and have the greatest of intentions, but some are along the line, they get off the path. And, and the devil doesn't really care where you go as long as you're not on that one. He would prefer you're on his path doing what he wants, but he'll take you just not being on God's path. He'll take that. Anybody? A second reason we should not be surprised is that we have many enemies. Don't look at the time here, because it's not important anymore, because time's going to end. Uh, when I was in eighth grade, my science teacher put a big note on top of the clock that says, time will pass, will you? <laughs> I, think, I think God might actually have a sense of humor. We have many enemies. Don't look at the time, because your enemies are important. You need to identify them. 
You know who your enemies are? Satan himself. He seeks to devour. 1 Peter 5, 8, 9, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same type of suffering. Like, you're not alone here. You may think you are, but you're not. If you're alone, you're the only Christian out there. <laughs> and that may come to pass one day. <laughs> I don't think it is yet. You know who else is your enemy? Satan's demons. They're real. I'm telling you right now. I know a lot about them. Not nearly enough, though. Huh? They're real. Fallen angels. Okay? You'd be surprised what they can do. You'd be surprised what you can do with them, too. Some people bind them. You can bind them with spells. You can even buy spells on the Internet. Did you know that? That binds demons. And you don't want me to tell you what people do with that because they're doing it. You really don't want to know. If you really want to know, make an appointment, I'll tell you. Man, you're playing with something you don't even understand. I'm telling you right now. That's the principalities that Apostle Paul's talking about here, okay? Get into that another day. But as much as the angels of heaven have been given charge by the Father concerning His Son, the fallen angels of hell have been given charge by their master as well. And that charge is to disrupt the pursuit of heaven by any means possible and do it constantly and never give up to the people that are trying to get into heaven. That's the charge he gave them. Disrupt, 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 disrupt. Do everything you can to keep them off that path. That's why Jesus, and Jesus knew. He could see it. He knew exactly what was happening. Going to continue to happen too. The reason that they are successful is that we, we kind of like some of the things that they offer. We kind of like it. And even when we don't, we don't resist very well. Hmm? And sometimes we're just weak and we give up. <laughs> Anybody done that? Come on. Anybody? Jesus himself says so. Matthew 26, 41. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is. Mm -hmm. You think he was just talking about prayer there? I don't think so. Other people who think us strange are our enemies. Those who ridicule us, make fun of us, even pressure us. 1 Peter 4, 3-4, For if you have spent enough time in, in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry, they are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living, and they will heap abuse upon you. Do you really think that the people who aren't Christian are really a good influence on you? Do you really think that? Now, I'm not telling you to become some kind of a cult member here. And I think we have to live in the world and not be of it. But I'll tell you what. I guarantee you, everybody in here, I'll go down, I can't see you. Let me put my glasses on. I go down the line, I'll start over here with Heather, and I'll go all the way down the line, and I'll bet you everybody in here has got friends that aren't Christian and they're not good influences on you. 
I'll bet you you've done things or said things or been lulled into talking about things that you probably shouldn't, because I have. Didn't mean to, thought it was harmless at the time, but doggone it, maybe it's not. Then that doesn't make me a holy roller, friends. That makes me wise to stay away from it. Doesn't it? A name just popped up in your mind, a face that's in front of you. Who is it? Come on. Do you belong with those people? If they're not a good influence on you, are you strong enough to stand when they participate in things that you shouldn't be participating in, even if it seems innocent? Well, you tell, you, you, you tell God whatever you want. I'm just telling you what I see. I see what Peter says. Let me tell you, I know how difficult it is to resist people. Especially when everybody else is doing it, when society says it's okay. And let's face it, we just want to be friends with people. And that's not bad, but your spiritual armor has to be on. And you have to know what the agenda of the enemy is, even if it's not their agenda. You understand? The enemy is going to use your good friends to influence you away from the kingdom in this path. Do you see that? He's going to do it. He's going to do it. Friends, let me tell you something. I don't have Facebook. There's a reason why I don't. And I'm delighted that I don't. But once in a while, I see it because other people I know have it. And I've seen posts from people in this church that shouldn't be there. They don't belong there. And you know why they don't? Because they're not biblical. And you're thinking you're not that smart. You're not. But he is. He, you're not. You're going to fail. Your influence isn't from, coming from him when you make those statements. So don't. It's real simple. This is what Peter's talking about. The lust of the flesh with his bad habits. Peter knew that too. In fact, he knew it all too well. It entrapped him and ensnared him many times. It did. Listen to his words. 1 Peter 2.11, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desire which wage war against your soul. That's eternity. It wages war against your soul. Eternity. Peter simply points out the fact that we are not citizens of this world. We live in it, but we're not citizens here. We're foreigners here. Because we are citizens of heaven. That's, that's where I want to be a citizen. That's where I want my chips to fall. Anybody? And that's already been decided, by the way. God said so. God decided that if you choose him, it doesn't matter what you go through here. Your citizenship is there. That's your citizenry. There. Therefore, we can resist the desire for not only wrong things, but the wrong path and wrong thoughts. The devil can't read your mind, but God can help you resist poor thoughts that tell him how to tempt you. When the Bible says, if your eyes, according to Jesus, cause you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Let me tell you something. I would just prefer you not quite go that far, but dump your Facebook page because you don't need it. If you can't help yourself but to buy into this garbage that the devil is spawning 
and you're not strong enough to withstand the thoughts that are in here that aren't godly or biblical, but you just think it's right because in your experience you've arrived somehow, get rid of it. Do it today. Do it now. Because God will be better for it. The kingdom will be better for it, and you'll be better for it. That's a fact. Get rid of it. You don't need it. And some of your Facebook pages, you need to get rid of them. And maybe there's some other things you need to get rid of too. Just saying. Now, friends, let's not forget about <laughs> the biggest tempter we have, and sometimes it's our own worst enemy. You, ourselves. Do you know you are your own worst enemy? Did you know that? It doesn't seem like that way sometimes, but it's true. Without or within, there are forces at work making the way to life difficult. Get rid of it. Because the path to life is easier if you do. You see. We've been forewarned, and I, my, I would ask you, what should our attitude be? <laughs> what should our attitude be? The way to life is difficult, isn't it? But friends, you know why? Secondly, because we can't have poor attitudes, can't have bad attitudes. And we do. We do. We are told to rejoice. Now, how in the world am I going to rejoice having heard that? Simple. Come to Christ. Come to Christ. Come to Christ. Today. Right now. And that's rejoice. Anybody? You come to Christ, there's what? Great rejoicing in heaven. So no matter what status you had when you walked in that door this morning, it can be fully Christ and Christian before you leave out. That's a fact. And that's rejoice. Anybody? Who wants it? You said you did. Everybody said they wanted to go to heaven. I saw you. Raise your hands. I don't even know if it's on the camera. We can probably, we can probably go back and look at it. You said you did. So make sure of it before you leave today then. Do it right now. You know what? Don't even finish. Don't, don't let him finish. Get up here. Right here. There's all sorts of room right here. You, you, you don't need to spend another second. You don't. Well, I got saved, but I just need to be... Then, then do the tweaking. Do it. We're told to rejoice. Who? Jesus. Jesus said rejoice. Matthew 5, 10 to 12, and Luke 6, 22, 23. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were there before you. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you, and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Leap for joy. I'd probably break something or hurt something, but, I, but he says do it. Right? Because great is your reward Where? In heaven, because you were on the right path. For that is how their ancestor treated the prophets. James told us the same thing. Consider it pure joy to go through persecution and trial. In fact, we have tremendous examples of the apostles who were also persecuted, and by the way, probably much worse than any of us will ever be. Acts 5.41 tells us the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name of Jesus. Clearly, Jesus and his apostles say that we should rejoice. Why? Because it makes us stronger. Okay? 
Now, you see why this is an uplifting message? See, God has to break it down before He can build you up. Doesn't He? And He's, he, he's got to eradicate all that garbage within you so that the Holy Spirit can come in and take up residence and start pushing that stuff out. That's what He's got to do. Something has to die before it can live. You have to die to self to live for eternity. Anybody with me here? Okay. It makes us stronger. Paul gloried in his suffering, his persecution, his imprisonment, even physical hunger and affliction. Romans 5 and 2 Corinthians 2. Which is why James told us to rejoice in our trials. James 1. Now the Austrian poet Rainier Maria Rilke, it was actually a guy. I know it doesn't sound like it, but it is. He gave his heart to Christ uh, one day. Uh, and as he allowed Christ to change him from the inside out, he once wrote about the difficulties that he went through. He said, Christianity isn't as easy as I thought it would be. In fact, I thought it was pretty darn tough. And he, he, he lived in the 18th century. <laughs> if you think times were tough then, look at now. He completely acknowledged that Satan was fighting the godliness every single day that the Holy Spirit was trying to instill within him. He said there was this massive struggle within his life every day, all the time. Through, he had to change his friends. He had to change his haunts. He had to change the places he went, places he ate, things he did. He had to change all that. He didn't want to. But he said every single time he tried to frequent the same places, that garbage was right there and he saw the struggle. Now, you don't always have to do that. Some people are strong enough not to, but most of us aren't. You see. And he writes this. What is required of us is that we, <laughs> we love the difficult and learn to deal with it. The difficult means the tough path. We learn to love that path so much that we deal with the struggle that we have. In the difficult are the friendly forces, the hands that work on us. Right in the difficult, we must have our joys, our happiness, our dreams. And there against the depth of this background, they stand out for the first time and we see how beautiful they really are. Because, in other words, what he's saying is, when you're going through it and the way is tough, the devil's like, yeah, yeah, keep struggling, keep going. And then it's like, oh, I'm done with this, I'm done. And off you go. But if you stay with it and you keep going and you see that the friendly forces are with you, helping you, and if you could just see the war that's around you and God's forces are winning, if you're willing, they're winning, but they're fighting for you and with you. And as the forces of Satan are trying to drag you down, God's forces are trying to push them away and keep you safe. But you have to desire in your own heart and mind that you're not going to be denied. And you can win. Because Christ did it for us already. You see, even in the late 19th century, in early 20th centuries, the devil was active and people struggled with society and change. This is what the poet was trying to say. And I think that the saying by the German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche must also be true. That which doesn't kill me only makes me Stronger. 
can we begin to see now why God would allow the way to life to be so difficult? It builds spiritual character, but it also proves to God and ourselves who the true believers really are. It, re- it does, doesn't it? It really, sep- it really separates the sheep and the ghosts, doesn't it? It, re- it does it right now, see? We don't, have to, we don't have to wait for the day of the Lord to come before we know. We really don't. You can know now. I can pretty much know who's going and who's not. If I look at their lives long enough, I'll know. And if I look at my own long enough, I'll know too. Huh? Hmm? You see, the ones who deserve the eternal reward that God offers are going to go. And those that don't, won't. And I'm, I'm, I'm just being honest because that's what he's saying. Okay, let me finish this up. So, friends, if you've had a bad attitude in your Christianity, and I'll bet you you have. Anybody willing to admit that you've had a bad attitude? Huh? Anybody? Oh, just a few. Just a few, really? 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 Hmm. Everybody's going to heaven, but I haven't had a bad attitude, though. Really? Hmm. Well, you keep on thinking whatever you want. But it's highly possible that God doesn't see you as a true believer if you have. Huh? Think about that just for a second. Do you have someone you need to forgive? Do you? Do you have a poor attitude towards somebody? Do you? Regardless of what they did or didn't do to you. Do you? Maybe it's in your home. Maybe it isn't. Maybe it's at work. Who knows? Maybe it's even in the church. Have you truly been seeking the Lord? Really, have you? Or have you been really seeking other things like whatever makes you happy? Hmm? Be honest. Because God's honest. (laughs) He's going to be brutally honest with you whether you like it or not. Do you have unbiblical and wrong belief systems? Because I know from your Facebook pages that you do. And you have. Better than I can see it in the way you act. Things you say, things you do. And you know what? Sometimes I look in the mirror and it's me. Hmm? Isn't that how God operates? Doesn't, doesn't God tell you? Doesn't he teach you? Does it matter who you are? Are you exempt? No. No. Not really. Are you attending... Services, small groups, Bible studies, and prayer times, prayer times, <laughs> prayer times, <laughs> whenever they're available, I'll bet not. I'll bet you're not, and I'll bet you'll come up with I'll bet right now you're making an excuse why you don't. I'll bet right now you're doing it. But you ain't the one doing it. Satan's helping you. Because God wouldn't tell you that. God would never tell you that. Not, 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 not one time ever. So when you make an excuse of why you're not doing it, who's telling you? Are you doing it or not so much? Look, friends, every one of you is going to have to do an evaluation on your life. And I can point out issues in many of your own lives, and including in my own. But oftentimes, we don't want to hear it, <laughs> do we? But God is speaking, and so we better listen. And we better allow Him to correct and strengthen us, right? Because when we do, that is what brings the rejoicing. That's what brings the rejoice. You want to rejoice? There it is. You want to leap for joy? That's how you do it, right there. Because God will bring it to you. Right, Bishop? Amen. He will. 
Rejoicing, not resentment, when trials and tribulations strike us on this way that Jesus talks about to eternal life. That's the life we're going toward. And what may appear to be a stumbling block may, in fact, be a stepping stone to victory. Amen? I've seen it in my own life, friends, I'm telling you. Especially as we consider why. Because, you see, we're, we're really not defeated. <laughs> we're not defeated. It feels like it sometimes, I'm telling you, but you're not. Why? Because we have God on our side. Say it with me. I have God on my side. I have God on my side. I have God on my side. I have God. And, and how hard is that to say that? I have God on my side. That's all you got to do. Uh, the devil's sticking around saying, oh, sure you do. Right. He done it to me. But you just keep saying, I have God on my side. I'm, I'm not listening. I have God on my side. 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 But make sure you do, because saying it doesn't mean much. He will not allow us to be tempted beyond our ability to endure it. Okay? Now, what you're able to endure and what God says you're able to endure are two different things. Amen. The Bible says so. And not only that, but God will provide a way of escape, enabling you to endure, because we know if we endure that we can escape. <laughs> Did you hear that? God will provide a way for you to escape because we know that He will do so. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, No temptation has overtaken you that is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. You're going to have to endure sometimes. Don't like it, but you're going to have to. And this includes strength to stand strong. There are, my friends, at least two ways that we have to recognize. Two ways you have to recognize. One, His Spirit empowers the inner person. Doesn't it? Listen, we don't put near enough emphasis on this sometimes. And I think Pentecostal churches are way better than we are at it. Okay? There's something to it. I don't agree with everything they say, but I'll tell you this. We don't... Plug in the Spirit near as much as we ought to. Anybody? Okay? So the inner spirit is what does. It empowers the inner person. And this is something that only true Christians have. If, 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 if you're not a true Christian, you don't have that power because it's not in you. You understand? You only have it if you are. You only have it if you are. Ephesians 3.16, Romans 15.13, And I pray out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Overflow, He said. Overflow, my goodness gracious. I want to overflow. Right? I don't want to overfill my RC glass because that makes a mess. I made a root beer float the other night and, you know, you always got to squeeze just a little bit more root beer in there knowing that that's going to fizzle up. But you think you can probably get it. Well, you, it doesn't work that way. But, is, but isn't that the way the Holy Spirit ought to do it? I look at the Holy Spirit kind of fizzles like that in you, yeah. right? Kind of bubbles up in there. Doesn't it? Now, you're, if you, hey, listen, I think everybody in here ought to go make a, a, a you know, a river folk today. Because that'll remind you, right? It's like Wednesday night I talked to you about, you know, the, the little apparatus with the kids, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? Who, who remembered that? You're never going to forget it, are you? Well, now, you can, you can equate a root beer float with the Holy Spirit bubbling up inside of you. 
If you've got to go down to Sonic or whatever and get one, knock yourself out. I don't care how you do it. Because I'd rather you be 800 pounds and a full Christian going to heaven. Then what's that ice cream? Uh, that skinny cow. I've never seen a skinny cow in my life. <laughs> huh? I got to get back to this. Okay. All right. I got to get my mind. Okay. So anyway, the, the spirit of power is in a person. But you know what? His armor will protect you in order to fight the good fight that the Bible tells us will surely come. Amen. Amen. Right? right? Ephesians 6, 10 to 13. Finally, be strong in the Lord. Lord. <laughs> and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God, not part of it. Because I think some people out here with just bits and pieces of it on. No, no, no. The full armor of God. So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil which are in the heavenly realms, I dare say. Amen. If, you better believe if they're still up there, they're here. Anybody? Therefore, again, he says, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, not if, but when it comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, stand. <laughs> In other words, when the battle's over, you're the one still standing. Anybody? I want to be that person. And I can only do it by the power of heaven that's within me. You understand? Yes, my fellow Christians, through God's providence and provision, we have the ability to be victorious. We simply have to choose to do it. Right? And it's so easy. It really is. The decision is so easy. It's a matter of obedience. That's all it is. It's just a matter of obedience. That's all it is. God is on my side. Say it. It's just a matter of obedience. That's all it is. Say it. It's just a matter of obedience. That's all it is. That's all it is. God's on your side. It's just a matter of obedience. That's all it is. Every one of you can memorize that before you walk out the door. That's all it is. God is on your side. It's just a matter of obedience. That's all it is. And when the devil says, you can't, it's just a matter of obedience. That's all it is. And God's on my side. It requires us to focus on the church and godly activities and godly thoughts. That's all. That's all it does. Why is that so difficult for us? Don't let Satan influence you because he will. He is. He has. Don't allow him to win. Because he's been, he's been defeated already. He's already been defeated. Right? Remember, we have Jesus as our example. When you think you can't, you can he did it already. Amen. He did everything you're, and, and more. 
He provided an example for suffering for us to follow, which should be our inspiration. 1 Peter 2.21, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. My friends, let me tell you something. I have always wanted to go to the Holy Land. I have always wanted to go to the Holy Land. And now today, I don't care if I go or not. You know why? Because I could go on those streets and I could walk exactly where Jesus did. But that won't get me to heaven. It won't. But walking in his steps on this earth in the manner and way that he did it will. I, I don't have to go to, to Israel. I can do it right here, right now. You see? Now. We should look to him as we seek to endure. Hebrews 2, or 12, 1 to 4. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He scorned its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and so you will not lose heart. In your struggle against sin... In your struggle against sin, everybody's got it. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. You know what he's saying? I doubt that any of us has ever gotten to the point where we shed blood in resisting sin. I doubt it. Okay? But what are we willing to do in our spiritual lives where that might actually become a possibility? And in this world where it's going, it's going to become a possibility. You understand what I'm saying here? What are we willing to do in our spiritual lives? Because if it isn't, then we're not doing enough. If it's not a possibility today, then you're not doing enough. Stephen did. Stephen did. And when it happened to him, he, like Jesus, forgave those who were doing it to him. We should be emulating his forgiving spirit. Acts 7, 54 to 60 tells all about it. When they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, don't hold this against him. When he said this, he fell asleep. Friends, what would it take for us to have that kind of relationship with the Lord? What would it take? To have that spirituality. To have that fortitude. To have that demeanor. To have that Strength and a connection. What would it take? Remember what Jesus said in Luke twenty-two thirty-four: "Father, forgive them, for they don't understand what they're doing." Now, friends, just on that today, you know I'm gonna. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Friends, everybody in here understands what we're doing. He was talking about those that don't. They didn't have a relationship with him. But those in here say they do. Those listening at home, those at Mac, those who claim to be Christians today, wherever you are across the world, if you claim to be a Christian, you say you are, then you do understand what you're doing. You do know. Does that mean that you can't be forgiven if you know what you're doing and you aren't doing it? I think it's possible. Notice Jesus offered forgiveness for those that didn't know. But those that do, your forgiveness is conditional upon you wanting it and changing. Huh? And through Jesus' example, we have the inspiration and motivation to succeed.
And as our worship team comes, let me, let me, let me fill you with these thoughts. I am not saying that you're not going to stumble and then you're not going to fall during this life. I'm not saying that. Brother, uh, sister, I'm telling you, right? It seems like my downfall is traffic. That's my thing. I struggle. I'm impatient. My wife told me the other day, you are so impatient. I am. Lord, forgive me. I'm impatient. I am. And some people are saying, I wish that's all I had. Right? There's probably a little more in there. Don't be fooled. But I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what it is, you see. How deep or how strong or how... It doesn't matter. None of that matters, you see. Because even Christians sin sometimes. We shouldn't. But we... I mean, we we should... Really, really, we shouldn't. But we do. John says we do. And when we do, we have mercy and forgiveness awaiting us. Right? But only, my friends, if we have a repentant spirit. That's the only time forgiveness and mercy is, is given you. See, some people, we have Christians in this world that think that you can tell God, talk to the hand, and keep doing what you're doing, and His mercy is going to... No, it's not. No, it's not. Mercy is when you are absolved from your sin and there's no punishment. That's what mercy is. Not continue to do what you're doing. I understand. No, He doesn't understand. Not when He died for you, He doesn't. Okay? 1 John 1, 7-10, But if we walk in the light, no, that's a big if. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, and, and look, by the way, if you feel compelled to come to the altar now, don't wait for me to finish. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus. His Son purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make Him out to be a liar and His word is not in us. So, friends, as we travel on the way to life, finding at times to be difficult, let's not be surprised. Let's not have a bad attitude. Because it doesn't matter who is right or wrong. Your attitude is what matters. And even if you were the one that was wrong, go make up with the one who did it. How about that now? Isn't that what Christ would do? Yes, Yes, he would. Okay. And remember, friends, lastly, that we are not defeated. We win. We win. We have the victory. But as the writer of Hebrews penned, In chapter 12, he said, Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. Make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone. Everyone. (laughs) And be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. He puts it right on the backside of living in peace with everybody. If you're not in peace with somebody, you're not holy. That's what he's saying. You understand that? I know you don't want to believe that. I know, but, but, there's no buts here. There's no buts. This is him speaking, not me. Make peace with everyone and be holy. Without holiness, no one's going to see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. And lastly, remember the great truth and encouragement from the Apostle Paul, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Through whom? Not yourself. 
Not your own thoughts, not your own ideas, not your own beliefs, and certainly not your own brand of Christianity. Only through Jesus Christ. What are you supposed to remember? God is on my side. It's just obedience. That's all it is. Can you, can you say that today? God is on my side. It's just obedience. That's all it is. Stay with me today. Wow. Listen, I don't want to hear what a powerful sermon that was from anybody. I want people to say, boy, did God speak to me today, and I, this is what I'm going to do about it. This is what it meant to me. This, and I want to see it in your life. I don't care if you tell a soul. I just want to see it in your life. You see, that's, that's, that's the proof right there. Amen? Let the Holy Spirit have his way with you today. How about that? How about that, my friends? This ain't about me. It ain't about you. It's about him. I always walk. It's up to you. I don't know what's holding you in the pew today because it isn't God. <laughs> it isn't Him. Well, we open up doors and windows. Huh? And say, no, God, I, I remember those old time camp meetings. You know, and I, listen, I don't think we had to bang on the pulpit, scream and holler and all that stuff, but I'll tell you, there was something to it because people were moved. And they made a, it made a difference in their lives and it went past the doors. We ought to get back to that today. Amen. Because God is just as powerful today as he was back then. Amen. And the devil is just as defeated as he was back then. 